Voice of Choice podcast ad paid for by Californians for School Choice. Committee major funding from Dale Broom. Trapped by their zip codes, the poorest children are denied access to a quality education that will enable them to break the cycle of poverty and take their rightful place in our society. This is real systemic racism. It's time to put school choice on the ballot. Hello, this is Mike Alexander, president of Californians for School Choice. Under the Educational Freedom Act initiative, parents, not zip codes, will decide where their children go to school. Parents wanting to leave the disastrous public school system will receive a yearly tuition credit of $14,000 per child to attend a private or religious school of their choice and save any money left over for college, vocational training, or other qualified expense. To sign the petition and learn how you can help, go to californiaschoolchoice.org. That's californiaschoolchoice.org. And remember, it's your kids, your money, and your choice. Committee major funding from Dale Broom. Welcome to the California School Choice Radio Network. Hosted by Mike Alexander, the lead proponent of the Educational Freedom Act Initiative and chairman of Californians for School Choice. Join us to learn how to put parents, not politicians, in charge of our children's education. And now, here's your host, Mike Alexander, the voice of choice in California education. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Alexander, the voice of choice, back with you here. Now, in this segment, I have the a uh, pleasure and privilege of introducing to you one of our lead proponents, and that is Mark Ang from Orange County, uh, California, and really two or three other counties that he's worked and lived in. Uh, Mark has been one of the hardest workers and advocates uh, for school choice. He has also been very, very involved in the Asian community, and I'm going to ask that he uh, tell you a bit about himself his background and what led him to become involved with the school choice and what's going on right now. Mark Ang, welcome to The Voice of Choice. Mike, thank you. Thank you for being a tireless fighter. Thank you for leading this. It is a grassroots person like you that compelled me to follow and be part of this school choice movement. But my background goes all the way back to when uh, I was still in college and actually even in high school, I was a tutor. And I started a tutoring company and was very involved also with LAUSD uh, right after I graduated college in 2003 from Pepperdine and uh, stuck around in the San Fernando Valley and really got to uh, see the underbelly of what we are fighting today. And from all those years, seeing our quality of education go down to, uh, you know, just all the services, uh, you know, teachers and schools used to provide getting uh, lower and lower in quality and seeing the homeschool movement grow. I was part of seeding some initial homeschool um, movements back in 0304, even before I was politically um ideological or getting involved in, you know, at the time, I was not a fan of George Bush. Um, I was not a fan of Republicans in general. Today, we've come around full circle, and I'm an independent. And I also reject a lot of what's going on with, you know, the party and them trying to, you know, have this other initiative that is really Republican in nature and not grassroots focused. So right. I believe right. yeah. let's back up just a little bit. Um, you and I, of course, know each other quite well. Uh, our, our audience here, perhaps not uh, not so much. Why don't you uh, start by, um, uh, you know, obviously you're an Asian guy. And the way that you and I met, you were out there doing a tremendous amount of, of grassroots work in the Asian community. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your experience in that community and how they feel about education in general and about school choice in particular. Absolutely. So my organization is called Asian Industry B2B, which also came out of my involvement with Asian uh, business organizations, but also uh, my affiliation with the Chinese American Citizens Alliance, which um, I'm the president of the OC Lodge, but I've worked very closely with the San Gabriel Valley Lodge, which is where you know you and I uh, have crossed paths because you have a great operation that everyone knows about in Pasadena with TPAC and all the work that you've been doing in the community 
community. So really my, my, um, it's a no brainer with education. Asians value education in a way that no other ethnic demographic group does. Mm -hmm. uh, Asians uh, parents sacrifice so much in the belief that the education system will give the upward mobility and social standing for their next generation uh, to the point that they sacrifice, um, you know, all their life savings, their work to provide a leg up, whether it's tutoring services, whether it's extracurriculars. And so the Asian community is dedicated to education. And what I uh, initially going into activism, there's a lot of issues. Asians are also business owners. So, um, but I noticed when I started my organization, I started to see the need and the frustration with a lot of Asian parents with the public school system. Many chose to opt to put their kids, uh, like my parents chose to put me through private school parts of the way because, uh, private school really was able to teach not only the academics at a higher level to the kids, but also, you know, the social aspect. And also coming from a faith-based background, my parents really felt valuable that I was teaching good morals and values in school, which were slowly becoming uh, compromised over the years with public schools. So, so many issues came to a head and it became just only logical for our organization to partner. And in 2019, as you launched your um, efforts with school choice, I was there right with you and, and Riley's farm. And That's over right. the years, creating all of these um, events for the community to give them resources. And, you know, a lot of your great infrastructure and great people uh, in your organization, like Denise Soto, Eric Chan, all of these people that I have so enjoyed working with, um, you know, we've been able to uh, you know, work in the community and bring people like private schools, charter schools, homeschool resources, after school or extracurricular activities, down to jujitsu, uh, uh, you know, presentations <laughs> at our events. I mean, we've done so much in the community to promote resources and avenues for parents to have something better than just the turd sandwich that the public schools are giving <laughs> a little yeah uh, tell us what you think mark no yeah. uh, to totally with you there and you're very generous in your remarks um you've been out there uh, we've had the petition now uh is everybody you know by by time this interview runs they will have had my introduction that'll be recorded talking about the nature of uh this initiative in our signature gathering process, uh, one of the things that I always ask all of my people, tell me about your worst experience. Tell me about who refused to sign uh, this initiative. Tell me about the people who rejected school choice. Tell us, uh, Mark, about your experience. Have you run into anybody who didn't like this? And if so, how many of them? Um, absolutely. I think the, the experience that was uh, the most negative that I experienced was uh, when the Orange County Classical Academy was getting approved in um, the, uh, the school district in Orange and um, a bunch of people on the left dressed in black or, you know, these uh, union goons, basically, mm -hmm. that uh, don't didn't like the um, idea of a charter school even existing, went in full force, probably a paid concerted effort because they were all dressed the same to talk bad about charter schools when the data is very clear that charter schools actually uplift the community by creating a circumstance of free market competition so that all schools can get better and that the rising tide lifting all boats. So that was really shocking to me as far as, you know, um, in general. And this was before we launched the initiative. But if you're asking specifically about the initiative, the most shocking thing to me is really the Republican Party um, and their operatives creating a similar but 
way more deficient initiative um, that is a nod to the unions and basically causing confusion and um, putting themselves out there. And that has been very negative to the point that, you know, our school choice initiative actually had a table at a recent event for the conservative Patriots of Orange County, which is a great group that just started up due to the frustration of the Republican Party. They are, they are more concerned about values and they welcome independents and Democrats and people that are America first and that think common sense. And that that Republican initiative came in sneakily with clipboard and their peti- their petition and tried to fool people into signing that petition. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me is so shocking. This is the behavior that it really makes me realize I'm so glad to be an NPP and an independent because I don't I am not rooting for any party. I am rooting for common sense initiatives like this one, the California School Choice Initiative that has grassroots um, you know, impact in the community and is also doing uh, crafting the legislation to actually help families versus divide by income, by, by means testing, by shutting out homeschoolers. I mean, we need to stop with these divisions and work to better the lives of our average Californian, which is not getting the education they need. I mean, you go to Starbucks and people can't even do math when the computer shuts down. I mean, that's the, that's what you're experiencing. Yeah. They can't make change. Something, I mean, we all of us remember uh, somewhere in grammar school, by the time we had a, a grasp of, um, of, of money, excuse me, a grasp of basic arithmetic at some point, in my case, it was the sisters. When we got to this thing called decimals, then they had a chance to teach decimals by teaching money. And one of the exercises was if somebody gives you a $10 bill and they bought $7.50 worth of product, how much do they have coming back for it? Make change. And they teach you how to count seven fifty. right? And and we're Mm -hmm. done. They can't do that. They can't make change in their heads. A lost art. Uh, A lost art. Very basic things. And and the computer is there now uh, to keep the employees from stupidly stealing from the the system. And, and of course, at the same time, trying to grift us uh, for, for a tip we're pushing a cup of coffee across the counter. Yeah, but that's the subject of another discussion. Mark, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, one of the things that we constantly emphasize here, uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, you, of course, are a no-party preference guy, this initiative of ours is, as we have discussed many, many times, it's nonpartisan. And uh, you know, we get wide support from no party preference folks like yourself, and tons and tons of Democrats. Tell me, if you would, about your experience uh, with the average family and, and their uh, their frustrations, uh, their attitudes about school choice. Yeah, it's really a nonpartisan issue. You have a lot of parents that are just very um, shocked at the level of um, or the lack of quality education they're getting when their kids are coming home with ridiculous ideological assignments like why am I a racist or you know sex ed that is inappropriate for you know that age group so this these are the type of things that you know parent a lot of Democrat parents are actually um, have joined our movement and you know it is not about partisanship because you know most of us are not partisan I mean if I met a good Democrat I would you know, support them just like I have with Sheriff Alex Villanueva, who is yeah. a Democrat, but I like what he's doing in he's terms of man. doing the right thing in yeah. his um, in his position. So really, it's not about I think we're in a postpartisan world now. Yeah. And I think a lot of the Republicans are stuck in, you know, I think a lot of Republicans are very hypocritical because they are about worshiping glory and people that were supposedly connected with the Trump administration that have some sort of glorious sheen around them. And they they're brain shut down the moment they see that instead of looking at policy legislation and the effects of policy and legislation on the 
future of their children. So what is it? Are you here to be another Hollywood type sycophant, but for politics? Or are you here to actually further our values? Because, you know, it is not about the money we raise. It's about getting the message out and changing the culture. So I really am not about, um, oh, short term political gains. That doesn't matter because those can be very temporary. As we saw in 2014, we thought that, that Republicans, Republicans thought that it was going to turn the tide in 14. But in 16 and 18 and 20, it just kept slipping further and further. So it is really not you cannot hang your hopes on uh, the false idol of a political party. You have to hang your hopes on what quality good legislation can do and what smart legislation has done for California that has actually helped us weather the partisan storm of all Democrats in control and being very corrupt. But you know we have things like in our California constitution that have stayed very consistent over the years that, that will prevent those who want to uh, step over any law and do whatever they want with no recourse. There is still that there. That is why we've been able to preserve a lot of our freedoms is because of those things that are tried and true. So let us focus on policy, less on personality. Yeah, and, and we need to focus on the kids. Um, uh, and, you know, just talking uh, about the political situation here in California, it's clear that nothing can be, uh, or at least very little, can be reliably achieved through the normal electoral process. Here in our country, we thought uh, uh, from the very beginning that if we elected representatives, they would in fact represent. But now we see a phenomenon in Washington, in Sacramento and other places where our legislation is written outside of the legislative process. Mm -hmm. A lot of money is put behind it, it's packaged up, and then arms are twisted, money is spread around until the votes are gathered. I mean, even uh, look what was happening and continues to happen in Washington with these proxies that were given to certain party leaders. And so now we have not representative government, but we have party government. And, and the parties can be a healthy thing. It has a long role in our society. But we can now see that we, we are not individually represented and we don't have a normal representative process. Otherwise, these very controversial provisions that are in these <clears throat> dumpster size mega bills that are coming through, those individual controversial programs and proposals would get a hearing. The questions would be asked, sunlight would be brought in, <clears throat> and the people who dreamed that up would be sent packing. But we no longer have that. But the greatest crisis that we have, and I'm going to be discussing this with uh, Professor Victor David Hansen in an interview next week. Uh, you guys want to make sure you tune in for episode number three. Uh, this is episode number two now, but uh, we're going to talk with Victor, uh, Dr. Hansen, about the death of the citizen or uh, what we have called in my organization for the last 13 years, the crisis of citizenship. What we have here in our society <clears throat> more than anything else is a failure of the citizen, because, Mark, if we believe and you and I do, mm -hmm that our government rests upon the consent of the governed, then everything that happens, for good or for ill, is on you and is on me. Mm -hmm. we, we, we cannot say that this government requires our consent and then claim <clears throat> that we're not responsible for what happened. And, uh, you, you know, I'll give you, uh, what, what's our time look like here, Mr. Producer? 17 minutes. 17. Hey, we're in good shape. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, about a week ago, a guy called me uh, uh, regarding a, an audio question. Many years ago, I had a lot of connection with the high-end audio industry. And he had a question about it. And he and I hadn't seen each other for 10 years. And the last time we saw each other, he, he I told him I had to give a, uh, a political a speech on, on a Sunday afternoon. So he came down, he heard me, <clears throat> and I'd forgotten all about it until he said, 
He said, I, something that you said 10 years ago has stuck with me. Well, it wasn't something that I said 10 years ago. It was somebody else that I quoted 10 years ago. And that was one of the big advertisers on this station, KRLA, Sonny Sardo, right? So Sonny was running for Congress back at that time. And he was reading off of a piece of notepaper, almost like a student. But he said, you know, in the United States, we can change our form of government every 100 weeks. Mm -hmm. And as he said it in such a low, unremarkable tone. Uh, that you could almost have ignored it, and yet it stuck with me. That's the reality here in the United States. Every two years, we re-elect a Congress. So we've got 437 people there, uh, or whatever the number, I guess what, 100 representatives, uh, 50 states, I forget who else is in there, but we can turn them all out, plus one-third of the Senate. This crisis is on us, and this is why we're joining together with citizens from all parties, all races, all ethnicities, <clears throat> all countries of national origin, all men of good goodwill and good faith, <clears throat> wherever we find them, in, in order to restore our state <clears throat> And the place where we always have to start is a place where societies always start. And that is with the children, with their intellectual formation, their moral formation, and uh, religious formation, all under the control of the parents. So what we're really trying to do here <clears throat> is to restore the American family that is under systematic attack from the larger culture, the entertainment culture, the um, uh, the athletic uh, culture, but more than anything else, the deliberate secularistic culture that is implemented within the, the government's so-called schools. These are mm -hmm. places of indoctrination and political manipulation. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing there as uh, you and I have discussed many times, is a form of, of gerrymandering. I don't know if I covered this in the last episode, but it merits repetition. There are three kinds of gerrymandering. The first kind is, the, is our old favorite. That was uh, Eldridge Gary, one of our founding fathers, actually, uh, was running, I think, for governor up in uh, Massachusetts, and he discovered that if he redrew the lines, he could split the opposition and concentrate his own people and help to get him uh, elected, what would otherwise have been a close election. The second kind of Jerry, that is, you know, redraw the lines until you get citizens that you like. But either way, <clears throat> uh, it is uh, uh, gerrymandering is a process in which politicians pick their citizens rather than citizens picking their representatives. Mm -hmm. The second one we all know, and, and that is immigration. Keep letting people in from anywhere you want uh, because you think that they'll be easier to manipulate or mm -hmm. likely to agree with you, whatever, whatever the case may be. That's the second kind of uh, uh, modern gerrymandering. But the third and most pernicious and most dangerous kind of gerrymandering is the public so-called school system. Yes. And in that system, they mandate on a statewide basis, and they're trying to do it nationally as well, that, that certain ideas be taught, mm -hmm. certain thoughts be thought. You have to get the student to preach them back to you. Certain things are not to be known or studied, for example, religion. And you are to, to teach every student that he or she or whatever the preferred pronoun might be is going to look to the government for, for support, for reliability, for safety in, in their lives. And it is that kind of gerrymandering, uh, Mark, that has made political progress in this state 
impossible for either party right now. What's running our state is not really is not the Republican Party, obviously. It's not even the Democrat Party. It's the government party. It's the people and special interests that together comprise this vast enterprise we call government that is, in fact, running our state, running our culture, and tell us when, where, and if we can cough or come together for breakfast. They've even tried to tell us when. And they're trying to tell us about Christmas, too, about Biden's and the you know, and, you know, the three types of gerrymandering are so strong here in California. Yeah. And, you know, with the Asian community, it really makes a lot of sense because, you know, a lot of Asian parents are just so trusting. You know, it's like they can't come to this country expecting, hey, you know, we wouldn't have the same thing as we did back in Vietnam, back in China, where the communists took over. And then now imagine the shock as they wake up and see especially in the last year over Zoom, when, you know, that's the kind of unintended consequence for the government party, as you said it, you know, revealing exactly how poor the education system is now that everyone can see it on those Zoom calls, which is why Virginia happened. And, you know, we, the people actually got together. And here in California, I think, uh, I know this for a fact, being in the community, it doesn't matter if you're Asian, if you're black, if you're white, if you're Hispanic, families and caring for our children it's the same across the board it is the human experience we need to unite under that not by political party banner but by the fact that we're humans and we have all the same uh you know goals uh loves all the things that make us take as humans that is what we need to start talking about versus all this partisan stuff we know the democrats are out there as the party in control and in government pushing that but we also realize the republicans are just as compliant in this agenda and we need to cut through all of that and unite the we the people so in these districts down to the school districts, we can push back on this government excess like they did in Loudoun County in Virginia and eventually won the state back through the sheer frustration of we the people. Yes. And we, of course, as school choice, have a plan to do a lot more than they're doing in Virginia. And the reason is because we actually have the ability to use the administrative process, excuse me, the initiative process in California, whereas you can't do that in every state in the union. We here in California are unique, and we have the opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to send a message to government across the board, regardless of where we live, regardless of where we worship, regardless of what candidates we might vote for under other circumstances. This is our opportunity to tell everybody that we really and truly are diverse, and you will find that diversity, real diversity, you will find in the school choice movement here in California, and nobody better represents or illustrates that diversity than the guy that we've had the pleasure of speaking with for the last half hour, my friend and fellow proponent of the Educational Freedom Act, Mark Ang. Mark, I want to thank you for being with us uh, uh, today and, uh, and tell you it's been a pleasure and a privilege to work beside you. We have 90 days uh, to go right through the end of March, and now's the time for everybody to saddle up and get busy. We have a million signatures together. We're well on our way, and I think our opposition has withered away. And, uh, you know, we'll have a chance to talk about that here a little bit more later on. But right now, we're the game in California, so everybody saddle up. Again, Mark, thank you, my friend. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, we had the opportunity here to speak with Mark Ang. We'll take a short break, and I'll be back with uh, the next segment. Mike Alexander here, the voice of choice. California schools rank 48th nationally, even though we spent $20,000 per year per student, that's $500,000 per classroom. This system is nothing but a fraud, a hustle, and a con. It's time to put school choice on the ballot. 
Hello, this is Mike Alexander, Chairman of Californians for School Choice. Under the Educational Freedom Act initiative, parents will decide where their children go to school. Each child will receive a yearly tuition credit of $14,000 to attend a private or religious school of their choice and save any money left over for college, vocational training, or other qualified expense. To sign the petition and learn how you can help, go to CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. That's CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. And remember, it's your kids, your money, and your choice. Committee major funding from Dale Broom. Folks, this is Mike Alexander back with you for our favorite segment of The Voice of Choice, and that is the Government Grifter of the Week Award. Now, for those of you who used to listen to me on Radio Free Los Angeles, you know that one of our most popular features was the weekly Government Grifter of the Week Award. And during that time, we would uh, take a, uh, a wry eye and turn it on the system that we call government to see where the money really goes. Now, if you've listened to anything that we've said before, you know already from having read the Educational Freedom Act initiative uh, that the average per pupil expenditure in this state is over $20,000. So if you take the average classroom size of 25, that's what they try to get, and even if you went to one of their schools, you have trouble adding, take out your, your smartphone and plug it in. And $20,000 a piece means $500,000 per year per classroom of 25. Now, they pay that uh, teacher or person who describes herself as such about $100,000 $125,000 a year is salary, benefits, pension contributions, uh, and walking around money. So that leaves around $375,000 per year per class of, classroom of 25. And, you know, really, we would like to know where the money goes. And so we put that question to our indefatigable researcher, Juan Tierra. He goes by... That's not his real name, but that is what he calls his nom de radio. And we have John now. He was on with us for for uh, uh, for a couple of years here when we were doing the feature on the other show. And we just want to welcome back Juan Tierra. How are you today, Juan? I'm fine. Nice to be back, Mike. Oh, it's Good great to have you and, back. Uh, <laughs> and hello to your audience, our audience. You betcha. Well, they're all, all, all loyal uh, people out there. You can bet that we're being monitored by you know the government grifters uh, themselves who want to know what we're thinking and saying. So all we can say is, well, this is for you, babe. We've got it out there. So, John, take us a little walk down Grifter Road. What do you have for us today? Well, our first award is a real stunner, even for a cynic like yours truly. It's hard to believe that the superintendent of a medium-sized school district can be the state's highest-paid school administrator with salary and benefits perks averaging well over $600,000 a year. $600,000 a year. That's that's kind of a low number, actually. Wow. Mr. James Q. Hammond, superintendent of the Ontario Montclair School District, has accomplished this feat three years in a row. <laughs> this is a winner. All uh, right. Well, if, 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 now, I, I, our sources, I always state them. An excellent article by uh, Jason Harvey in the Pasadena Star News, November yeah. 15th of this year. Mm-hmm. And I use a trivia, I use a trivia website, transparentcalifornia.com. Oh. You can look up all kinds of good stuff on that, as well as a website, publicschoolreview.com. Oh, so, so that's, these are really good sources. Excellent. Now, here are the last three years of Mr. Hammond's pay in round numbers. 2018, regular pay, $308,000. I just use round numbers, by the way. Now, this Other base pay, pay is three hundred and eight. Well, that would usually be a takeaway award right there. But he, he adds on to it. Amazing. Well, well, he has other pay, which I'll get to. In 2018, <laughs> it was $351,000, much more than his regular salary, by the way. 
Wow. 2019, regular pay. He gets regular raises. $340,000. Other pay, $268,000. Last year, 2020, regular pay, $355,000. Other pay, $197,000. Those totals do not reflect the value of his medical and pension benefits, which last year, 2020, were worth $68,000. Wow. What's striking about these figures is that the total of other pay is, those three years, $748,000. Over the past three years, uh, I'm sorry, five years, since 2015, he's made about $3 million with 1.1 being other pay. Now, the obvious question is, what the heck is other pay? Right. Now, for for that, we go to Transparent California. Mm -hmm. Other pay includes all forms of pay not reported in the other categories, and may include, among other things, car allowances, meeting stipends, longevity pay, bonus pay, and my favorite, inventive pay. Whatever that inventive is. Inventive pay? That's actually a new ways to get paid? I, I, <laughs> that, that's, that, there's something called inventive yeah. pay. Oh, yeah. Now, 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 this guy, Mr. Hammond, has negotiated himself a great contract, yeah. which allows him to bank his sick time now at $85 a year, and increases five days every year going forward. Plus Wait, $85 a year or 85 80, days a year? 85 days a year, and it increases wow. five days every year going forward. So next year, wow. 90. Wow. Plus 25 vacation days, five weeks, for a grand total of 110 days this year alone. Wow. He can bank and does all that time and cash out whatever portion he chooses to at year's end. For example, last year in 2020, he cashed out 100 days and collected an extra $152,000. Wow. Now, what's, the average you, what's the average, you ask? Well, the average is two or three weeks, 11 to 15 uh, weeks for a uh, school superintendent. Mm-hmm. And, and those of us who were labored in the private sector, what happened to use it or lose it? Oh, yeah, you're right. Exactly. If you ever I got mean, it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, there's some other interesting perks Mr. Hammond has in his, in his uh, contracts. Annual cost of living increases, up to $2,500 a month for a life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. He's up to $134,000 in retirement pension-related contributions from the district. From the district? Life, lifetime yeah. health benefits for himself, his wife, and his children with all premiums paid by the district. Unbelievable. A just cause provision for severance pay of, of, of 12 months, whenever that happens, mm-hmm. unless, it, unless it's, you know, felony or something. Yeah. Full reimbursement for Medicare tax contributions. Wow. And here's the capper. This guy should have been in real estate. <laughs> at, one point, at one point, he purchased a condo. For some reason, he was granted a $100,000 loan from the school district. That loan was forgiven in 2018 without him making a single payment. Huh? He later, he subsequently sold the condo, condo for $389,000 for a sweet profit of a cool $58,000. Now, Stunning. when questioned by, uh, by the press and uh, Transparent California, the district said his contracts are legal. They've been vetted. Mm-hmm. The board president stated that such compensation allowed the district to avoid Turnover and position. I guess this is longevity pay. Turnover? Yeah, I guess it, there'll never be a turnover again. Six well, over. Yeah, the well, other thing is turn it over, taxpayers in their grave. He's been there for 10 since 2010. Yeah, I guess so. He's so retention. Yeah. So longevity. What do, taxpayer, what do the taxpayers of this district get for such a high priced superintendent? Mm-hmm. Here's a profile. Here's a, a school profile from. Uh, okay, so from, now uh, let's set, let's set the table. Uh, okay. uh, Juan Tierra here has described a sta- the LeBron James uh, of school grifters. We have him right here in captivity, and this guy banked over six hundred grand. And obviously, we're having trouble counting all the money that this guy actually grifts out of the deal. So, with you know, we, you should have been investigative reporter. Juan Tierra says, what the hell do you do for that kind of money, right? 
what what are the taxpayers getting uh, for this money? You know, undoubtedly the best performing school in the state of California, right, Senator well, Not not quite. Not now, quite. You, you <laughs> can look up publicschoolreview.com. It's a very good site. Yeah. They they give you districts. They give you all the schools. That did, here's here's a profile that I uh, yeah. gleaned from their website. There are he that district has 31 public schools with 21,000 students. This puts it in medium rank. Okay, it's not large. It's not small. It's not like LUS. Right. Sure. Now the, uh, the, the 902 teachers. The student ratio is 23 to one. That's the state average on the nose. But the school ranking is in the bottom 50% of schools in the California. Wow. Now, now, let me read this and we'll go back to it. The schools in the district have an average math proficiency score of 35%. Mm-hmm. Now, that's worse than the state average of 40. <laughs> Read, yeah, well, we'll get yeah, I, I can hear you laughing already, yes. <laughs> reading, prof, reading proficiency, 44%, yeah. versus the statewide average of 51. Now, yeah. That's bad enough, but look, what's the state average? It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, now, here's maybe a tip-off. The minority enrollment is yeah. 97%, not diverse at all. Right. Only Hispanic. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are a few highly rated schools, but the vast majority are underwater big time. Right. So well, the question before that, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead, John, finish. Now, just, just to sum up, just to, to, to summarize, here's the medium-sized school district with below average proficiency in math and reading, employing the highest paid superintendent in the entire state. What is wrong with this picture? <laughs> Thus, Mr. Hammond is the worthy recipient of our initial government grifter award. Well, this guy's impressive. You know, usually I'd get on, I'd get on you one usually for not bringing a couple other nominees, but well, man, just, this I, guy. I, 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 this guy's a blowout yeah. candidate. That that was my that's when I started. Uh, well, I saw a, a story on this and I read it some time ago and it came back to mind and uh, yeah, it's a mind blower. Yeah, yeah. This 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 is amazing. Uh, so if we have this guy, and, and by the way, this is a real person. A lot of yeah. times, what we do uh, because hard to <clears throat> actually put names to some of these guys. And, and hard for us to talk about people individually if they're not already something of a public figure. But here, uh, this guy, Jason Henry. No, no, uh, no yeah. Uh, excuse me, that's the author. Who's this grifter here? Uh, David Q. Hammond. David Q. Hammond. I wonder if they have to call it. Does he have an advanced degree? Yeah, like one of the... They call these people doctor of all the things. They, you know, they they, you know, make it through there. You know, I'm gonna make some. I, 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 I didn't see his education. Okay, stuff, but, but yeah. at any rate, David, I wonder what what the what what that cues for. What Quincy, uh, Quentin, something like that. But this guy hustles big time. He do well on the streets. Actually, we have all this now. He got big pay cut pay raises. Right during COVID, right through the whole COVID con, right? Oh, sure. He, sure, he sure. went up more money, uh, another another five or 10 days a year forever is sick pay. This guy, he if there's no age discrimination, he may go the distance. Uh, you know, he might go to 80. Why would he stop? He doesn't have sure. to perform. And, and then everybody comes up with this business uh, here. Uh, that, oh, well, it's a 97% Hispanic uh, district. Well, so is every district uh, in, in our area here. But they're educating well, actually, kids in Catholic the, schools. The state average is 77%, actually. That's yeah. in profile, too. Yeah, and he's at 95. Well, uh, you know, he doesn't have any numbers at all. And and it's it's hard to see how things could be worse uh, you know, that, than what he's doing down there. So, uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, it's easy, uh, sometimes to mock and laugh at these people, but we really want you to know that underneath all of this, there is a festering, squalid fiscal mess. These people are grifting the system. It's not about educating students. It's not about preparing them 
uh, for a productive life in our society, giving them the tools that they need, uh, particularly this this neighborhood here, which is 95% Hispanic. You can imagine that a lot of those homes, English is spoken there. It takes a lot of effort in the schools to give them these opportunities. And instead of giving them the opportunities, we stand by and everybody collects the money. Now, over the next uh, year, all of you out there are going to hear three or four advertisements. And the first uh, of the advertisements attacking school choice will be that we're taking money away from the public school system. And when you hear that, I want you to remember this story and all the stories that uh, Juan Tierra is going to be bringing us in the weeks to come. And when you, after you've heard those stories and you hear that we're being uh, accused of taking money away from the system, I want you to cheer us on because we will be taking money away from a system that pays this guy $600,000 a year for no results, zero, period. Now, what parent do you think is going to want to put his or her uh, child uh, into a school that's worse than average uh, statewide. It's unforgivable. It is impossible to believe that parents will do a, a worse job. And when you want to know where the money went, well, you know where it went. It went to people like this. And old Juan Tierra here, El Viejo, he'll tell you that Mr. Uh, in fact, I tell you what, let's do a follow-up. Maybe not what this coming week, a couple of weeks from now, let's do a follow up on the Ontario Montclair School District and take a deep dive, if you would, one into the administrative salaries that we have. He's oh, obviously I, I, not the only guy. Oh, I looked at him. There's about four or five of them making well over 200 grand. Yeah, there you go. For administrators. Yeah. For administrators. Why? What, what are the administrate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, it's another million dollars. In the meanwhile, that they're, they're going to go on the radio, on television, on the streets, and everything else, talking about how if we vote in school choice here in the state of California, we're going to take money away from the public schools, and we're going to ruin public schools. Well, our response to that is. No, you already did that. You are the people that took all this money and ran us down to 48. And, and, and the two words that come to mind are not, we're sorry. The two words that come to mind when what we hear about this is, you're fired. And it's time to get rid of these non-performers and let the market decide. And you know that when school choice hits, all of these people are going to have to start performing because those students out there at that school are going to hit the exits. And that big boom that you're hearing is all the kids hitting those emergency doors at the same time for the waiting parents out there. Uh, in the meanwhile, private schools and charter schools continue to outperform the public schools. So we don't have any music this week uh, for you, John, but we're going to work on it. Um, uh, we've we've got a good guy, Zachary, here today. We have Kevin coming uh, back here next week to take over his regular production uh, responsibilities. We'll try to dress this up with our Hollywood theme and a few other things so we can make this a little more fun as we go. And uh, we can get into janitors and uh, and special uh, special people in education, not special ed. Uh, but we need to talk about a lot of these things and point out who's getting the big bucks, what's happening, you know, these big seminars that they go to, the millions of dollars uh, that they uh, that they spend. Why do these people need to go anywhere for anything, right? Uh, since when did, uh, by the way, uh, this guy here who is superintendent, uh, does he oversee what? Uh, elementary, middle, and high school is uh, that? I think uh, it's K through eight. I think I'll, I'll, I'll when I do a follow up, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, stuff up. yeah. Well, you know, as a young man, he probably thought about maybe becoming a doctor, but now he couldn't afford the pay cut. Oh. Yeah, 
Tell and you. bitter hours and bitter hours. Yeah, bitter hours. Yeah, what the hell? But John has been a uh, it's been a ball, and I uh, I want to thank you for for jumping in here and doing this, and all of you out there in uh, in listener land and school land. If you have a favorite story of an outrageous remark made by a uh, a so called school board member. Uh, some something outrageous said or done by a teacher, so-called, or principal, or somebody like this who's just grifting to beat hell. Well, send us a note. You know, send it to Mike at CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org, and don't forget our website, which is CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. John, uh, excuse me. One, it's been a great pleasure having you with us uh, here again. And uh, we appreciate it. I look forward to having you uh, next week. And uh, I'll be in touch with you in the meantime. Please say hello to your lovely wife for me. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, over the last uh, 15, 20 minutes, we've had our favorite segment of the week, the Government Grifter of the Week Award. And this week it went to... Our old buddy James Q. Hammond out there, superintendent of the Ontario Montclair so-called school district, who banked a cool $600,000 for last year, medium-sized school district, but he is a competitor. This guy is a winner. He outsprinted everybody. He finished ahead of the head of the LAUSD at 600 grand. We are not worthy. In fact, we're going to extend an interview to our friend James Q. Hammond, because as we always say on this segment, we want to know what the hell do you do for that kind of money, right? I'm sure he's got a good story. So we look forward to hearing it. Well, this uh, brings us uh, to the end of episode two here of uh, uh, of our voice of choice here in California. You'll be getting it each uh, Sunday morning here. Uh, we we tape on Thursdays, edit on Fridays. It's in the can and ready to be uploaded uh, on Saturday. And then it's there for Sunday morning as you reach out. So we hope that you will go there and uh, read it and send the link to other people. Link it to your social media, to the groups that you belong to. Let's get the conversation going. And uh, we have people from all over the state. In fact, we have people from all over the country who are linked to our website and are supporting school choice. And don't forget to get out there and get these signatures. Christmas time is a good time to at least get signatures from family members and ask them to go to our website, CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org, and give us some love there. That means uh, five bucks, 10 bucks. Pretend uh, you're Santa Claus for a change and give the gift of education, give the gift of choice here in California. This is the way forward for our wonderful state as we rebuild and pave a really great future for our country. Remember, uh, in wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, just remember, it's your kids, it's your money, and it's your choice. This is Mike Alexander for The Voice of Choice. Over and out. See you next week. Voice of Choice podcast ad paid for by Californians for School Choice. Committee major funding from Dale Broom.